You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Good evening, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Tuesday, the 10th of August, 2021. Thank you all for tuning in. And on tonight's program, I am delighted because everything seems to be working tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a bit nervous the sermon audio wouldn't work again because that's what happened two weeks ago. But uh, praise God, everything seems to be working uh, by God's grace. And if you are in YouTube, please let us know uh, if everything's working or not working or whatever the case may be. Um, on tonight's program, got a fair bit to go through tonight. There, there was a recent BBC documentary that came out uh, on Channel, F- not Channel Four, but BBC Four. I, I don't have a television. I'm the clue. I didn't even know there was a BBC Four. Obviously, I know about the BBC, but haven't heard. Of, I've heard of BBC Three, but I've never heard of BBC Four before. Anyway, they put out a, a documentary on Hillsong. And I watched that earlier on today, and I have a few takeaways from that. I haven't done a program on Hillsong for a while now, but I think there's things that we can learn from it. There's things, there's dangers, I'll always caution, there's dangers when you're doing this type of research to be spending too much time looking at the Hillsongs and the Bethels and all that kind of stuff. Be aware what's going on in the world. Don't be... It's all about balance, isn't it? You know, you have to have some level of what's going on, what are the dangers, but we've got to be positive in what we believe. And that's why I'm trying to put in extra programs like the previous one from two weeks ago, the last program we did. Uh, last week I was on I was on holiday, I was away with my family, but the week before that, the program was on the Westminster Larger Catechism and I'm working through that. and. Um, Maybe when that's finished, we might find another, maybe go through the Heidelberg Catechism or something like that. And just to have some more, that's really what's going to anchor you. Not knowing about all the dangers. And it's the old cliche of how do you know what real money looks like? You have to study the real money. You don't, you're not going to know every counterfeit counterfeit out there. And, uh, but it does have its benefits if done well and if done in a balanced way. Now, before we get into it, greetings, everybody. Uh, greetings to you, uh, North Carolina. Is that what NC stands for? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, greetings, Christopher. Bri- Bryant, is it? Yeah, welcome uh, from uh, to you from Miami. Uh, yeah, another thing is let us know where you're, where you're listening from. That's, that's pretty cool <laughs> to find out. Hello from, this is Dromore County Down, Northern Ireland, If in case you don't know where I am living. That's where we are. And uh, right, slap bang in the middle of we Ulster in the northern part of Ireland. So anyway, um, let's do what we've been doing for the last, this is the 40, 42nd show doing this, reading through the Psalms, and that I may anchor us in the scriptures as we go ahead and we'll just spend the first few minutes looking at this, and we'll ask for the, the Lord's help and mercy as we look at the scriptures. We're going to read in, uh, Psalm 42 this evening. Um, very 
apt and very helpful psalm, I think, especially with the topic that we're dealing with about um, thirsting for the Lord, seeking for the Lord, in terms of being downcast, in terms of times when we may feel the Lord is far from us, and even feelings will come up, especially as it did in the documentary. Um, I'll give you the full title of the documentary, but I think it'll be very hard for American listeners to get hold of this, I think. It was on YouTube for a bit, but it got taken down straight away by whoever did the movie. So uh, it might be kind of hard to watch it, especially, but unless you got a VPN or something, but you'd have to have BBC Player or something like that. So I don't think that would be, I don't think it's going to be the easiest, but I'll try and, if you want me to do another program on this documentary, and because there are several things you could take away from it, but I think some of them are typical enough stuff that Hillsong is a business. Um, yeah, stuff we've kind of looked at before and uh, we'll touch on tonight. So Psalm 42, we'll ask for the Lord's uh, help as we read through this and comment on it. Father, Lord in heaven, please be with us. May your face shine upon us. Help us, O Lord, to, to thirst for you and to seek your mercy and help when we do feel downcast and when we do suffer in this world. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 42, let us hear God's holy and infallible word. Uh, the title given at the start of uh, Psalm 42 is To the Chief Musician, a Contemplation of the Sons of Korah. Verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remembered these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitudes. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the, God, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I mo go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me, hoping God, for I shall yet praise him? The help of my countenance and my God. May the Lord bless his word. You can see kind of um, the psalmist very much has, and we're told this is a contemplation, a kind of a, a meditation, I suppose, of the sons of Korah. So this is not one of the Davidic ones, but at the same time, um, they did labor under David, but you have a sense of despondency, depression, you could say in modern language, um, looking at why are, 
why art thou cast down my soul? We, we struggle at times, don't we, with our feelings. We feel at times that God may be far from us, but at the same time, we must continue to trust in him, regardless of what may be happening. And I, I remember reading this earlier, like about an hour ago, just thinking this ties in so well with Hillsong, because, you know, I can watch these things and we can kind of get come down so hard, and especially a lot of the young people involved in Hillsong and all that. They're caught up in a wave of enthusiasm. They come from troubled pasts, a lot of them. They come from drug and drink. And I, I know some of these people are rich. Some of, I think that's part of the Hillsong thing. They seem to bring people who are, who are rich in influence, and but they give a family feeling to people who, who don't have that. And so it could be easiest for us to poo-poo that, but that's kind of what they're going through. But the only problem is they're seeking relief from this in all the wrong places. And another thing too is, while there is relief in God, of course, and our thirst is satisfied in Christ, he is the fountain of living water. At the same time, the gospel is not some therapy to make you feel better. There's going to be rough times as a Christian. There's going to be hard times as a Christian. But we have to remind ourselves, no matter what the enemies do, and no matter what oppression may come upon us, that we continue to say within ourselves, God is my rock. Now, it's not to say it's an unfeeling and we're always going to be downtrodden. We're all built differently as well. Some of us will feel this more than others, this sense of being cast down. And we may wonder at times, am I even a Christian? Well, dear friend, if you pant, if you thirst for the water of God's word, you're a Christian. If you thirst for it, if you long to be more like him, and you hate your sin more and more, and your sin makes you miserable, that's a good sign that you're a Christian. Now, your misery and your current state of being downtrodden and everything else may be because you haven't dealt with a particular sin that is making you miserable. And the Lord, in his mercy, may be withdrawing from you in his presence for a season so that you depend more upon him. The Lord has a purpose to all these things. The wonderful thing about the Psalms is this. They're real. They're raw. They're in the... They're in that moment. They're not like hymns in the last couple of hundred years where we're happy all the time. Life doesn't work like that. And I think one of the ways, among others, and it's not a silver bullet, but one of the ways to deal with the real problem of our young people fleeing and going to churches like Hillsong, this is kind of what's happening, by the way, Largely, they go maybe the decent churches and then the next generation, maybe through coldness, maybe through lack of teaching, maybe through whatever, they end up in churches like Hillsong or whatever. But they, they're longing for something. And they're not, we're not being taught to have a... a, a you could say, well thought of Christianity, one that's biblically sound, with that emotion. You don't have to whip it up, I'm saying, in a, in a concert-like way. 
and this is why we need to get back to singing the Psalms. One of the reasons we need to get back to singing the Psalms because the Psalms go through these emotions. Now, the, the CCM, the Christian Contemporary Music Movement, is all about whipping up, hyping up emotion to feel this bliss. And it's almost like, for many, they have replaced the drug highs that they had in the past, the, the, the whatever highs they got in the past, and they've replaced it with this, the CCM or whatever. And it gives them a sense of stability and everything. And considering where many of them came from, on the surface of it at least, I mean, none of these churches are great, but on the surface of it, it is, an, you know, they're no longer taking drugs and, and, and that's why they're so zealous. It's given a purpose. I mean, now, the scary thing is, I'm going to, we're now, we're, we're now, getting into the Hillsong part of it, the scary thing is, how many of them know the gospel? We can talk about so many things, right? When it comes to Hillsong, when it comes to all this kind of stuff, how many Hillsong pastors even know the gospel? And this is why I'm doing this program. The music's a major part of it. But because it's all about selling an experience, it's, Hillsong is a package. Hillsong is a business. Hillsong is not... really a church. I'm sure there's probably gospel presentations in among the mess. I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. I have not seen it. But I'm presuming, I'm hoping, that there is among the mess. But it is, if you didn't know any better, you would think that it was a business selling a product and the product was religious experience. And it's the way I describe Hillsong, and I started my wife about an hour or two ago about this and was saying to her, Hillsong's really church for the unbeliever. What do we mean by that? It's church designed for the person who hates church. Now, I'm not saying that everybody necessarily goes to a Hillsong church, hates the Lord or anything like that. No, but that's the design. And of course, you're going to attract goats and you're going to attract new converts I'm sure some people get saved through these movements. I'm not denying that at all. Some get saved and come out. It's different for everybody. I don't want somebody to listen to this and think, I'm in Hillsong Church and am I even saved? If you trust in Lord Jesus Christ, if you repent of your sins, you're saved. But there's major problems with how Hillsong does church and it goes way beyond Carol Lentz and all the stuff that came out a few months ago. I barely know. I, I had to Google what, what happened with. Oh, yeah, that was it was. Yeah, he had to be, you know, there, there were moral issues. And I'll say this before we. Because of the superficiality of the way Hillsong does things, because it's about an experience, because it's about a package, because it's a business. Morality. The gospel. And certainly things like church discipline, they all go by the wayside because of the focus. The focus isn't the gospel. The focus is numbers. The focus is money. The focus is about becoming influential. Now, we, 
We pray that the gospel go forth mighty power and many people get saved, including kings and rulers and all sorts of things. But we don't do it in order to become influential and take over society. I think it's seven mountain mandates, but we get it all wrong. Now, oh, somebody from South Carolina. Greetings, everyone. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Let us know where you're uh, coming from, because that's uh, that's about <laughs> So we've got North and South Carolina. We've got Florida. Anybody from any other country? Oh, Alberta, Canada. Excellent. Welcome. Um, so uh, welcome, everybody. And, and if anybody else joins in the chat, please let us know where you're listening from. And, and also, is there a Hillsong in your area? Because it's growing massively. And I know, I know that we'd rather not deal with issues like this. And I get why many people are like that. I get it. But our kids are getting siphoned off to these kind of churches. These types of churches are at least influenced by Hillsong. They're leaving reformed churches in parts of the world. Not everybody, not everywhere. Some, some reformed churches, good reformed churches are growing. But by and large, this is happening. And there's important discussions that are taking place within the reformed community, if you want to, on important issues. But we got to deal with this as well, I believe. Because if we don't, the next generation kind of starts to think that, you know, we don't have any answers to these things. And that it's just as good as anything else. Because we treat, we're not very strict with worship anymore. So, one form of worship doesn't matter. It's just, what have you like? What flavor of ice cream do you like? Do you like that flavor? Do you like, oh yeah, you go to whatever church, you, according to your own heart. Does that make any sense? Did, did Nadab and Abihu find that out in Leviticus chapter 10? No. So this, this, this is symptomatic of it. Now, I'm going to play a clip from, where are we? This is three minutes and 26 seconds into it. It's going to be very hard for you to get it. I don't know, it's, um, so I'll give you the timestamps just in case you can ever find it. Three minutes and 26 seconds. The, the BBC documentary is this, BBC Storyville, Hillsong Church, God Goes Viral. Now, I'm sure that this documentary will probably end up online, probably in a few months, but it, it got taken down. It was shared, I think, a few days ago, and it didn't stay up for very long. Um, but we're going to play this. Um, just to state out front, this is covered by copyright law. This is used for educational purpose. This isn't for profit. This isn't for anything else. This is covered. So if anyone attempts to take this down to your copyright strike, I will be uh, challenging that. And I've won things like this in the past. Challenge it. Fair use copyright law. So um, please, please don't file a false claim. Thank you. All right. So let's... Uh, Okay, let's go over here and uh, we're going to start playing this clip. Now, this clip here is a clip that was doing the rounds and I'm just going to explain it when I'm playing it. This is to do with the package, the kind of business model of Hillsong. Uh, we're just going to play it all the way through. Not really going to comment on it much. I think it kind of speaks for itself. We're the ones that God has empowered. We're the ones God's using. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a responsibility. 
If you do want to experience Jesus, we know how you can experience Jesus. We are ready. We're ready. Hello, I'm Dan. Hang away, I was licking my lips. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Dan, and this, uh, one more time. The style of our church has been thought through and it's aimed to engage young people and communicate the message of Christ to young people. I'm in the full Hillsong style. I know I said I wouldn't comment, but sorry. The church should be for everybody, every age group, every single last age group from the old to the young. And if you're, if you're trying to appeal to a spe specific demographic age group, greetings to you from Sweden. We've got a Swedish listener. Excellent. And uh, Leeds UK. Ah, oh, this is this is great. Thanks guys for letting letting us know. Um so any any have I missed anybody? No. Uh, oh, South Korea. I thought I saw South Africa there for a second. I didn't. So um anyway, like the church is for everybody. From the from the ages of 100 and whatever up to zero. So not a good idea when you do that. I've got the fedora, got the leather, got the boots and the skinnies. And a beautiful wife on his arm. The highlight for me is not when people join church, but it's when people encounter Jesus. It's like if I found the cure to cancer, you know, you'd be excited, you'd be giving it out to everyone. Okay, so, and this clip has been kind of shared around. If you actually go type it in, somebody actually put a clip of this. It's a product. What, what what Hillsong is selling is a product, okay? So you can look that. I, I'm sure more a lot of people know, but you just kind of go, it is, and past members of a test, you can see what they're doing. They're going with the attractive young people, the ones that look cool, the, especially musicians, one with great voices and all this, and they're putting them front and center, and all that. And look, when I, I think I listened to Hillsong for the first year after I got saved. I used to listen to the song. One of the things that bugged me, one reason I stopped listening was the lyrics. It was, you know, it was just some of the lyrics were very, I uh, just, they bugged me for a while. I couldn't put my finger on it. I remember, I remember when the song was, was break down these walls and let all creation come to you. And it just seemed very loosey goosey. And it just, after a while, it just didn't resemble Christianity after a while. I think the lyrics are pretty terrible half the time um, and almost very mystical. And you couldn't, they're very, I suppose they're very open to interpretation and very loose, which suits because then when people come, they can just insert whatever they want to believe into it. You can't do that with the Psalter. You can't do that with the Psalms. I suppose you can, but it's much harder to do it. Um, that's the wonderful thing of singing the hymnal the God gave. God gave, inspired through David, and has been used. Used look, this this view of mine. It's not just my view. It's it's a view that's gone throughout the church history. Time of Augustine, all, all that. They had to learn that to know the Psalter off and be able to sing it. It's only reading the last couple of hundred years that not many sing the Psalms anymore. So anyway. Uh, this, okay, here's the main point of the, we're now into the, the title. If you've seen the title of the program, that's just not, that's not clickbait or anything. This, we're actually going to be talking about this. A man by the name of Bren, Brendan Brown is the pastor in Hillsong, San Francisco. And he is the, 
the, the title that they seem to give him is campus pastor. They seem to have a kind of a bit of high hierarchy going on in Hillsong. It seems to be that they have a head. He has a head over him in California. Well, him. It's actually the couple, which is not very biblical at all. You know, wives of pastors are not to be ministers, and they're not to exercise authority. We're told that from one Timothy to twelve. But I've dealt with that in other programs of the charismatic movement has a massive problem with women seeking to be ministers. And I, I tell you, if you don't care about that commandment, it's because it's so clear. You, you really probably don't care about the scriptures. It's an issue about authority. That's what the issue is. There's things we can all disagree with, the things that take us years to grasp. Women ministers and the LGBT issues are not one of them. They demonstrate clearly you're an unbeliever. And if you're somebody within the church with those views, you need to be, there needs to be wise. This one take us. Anyway, so this pastor of Hillsong, San Francisco is being interviewed. We're going to play this clip. He's, he's from San Francisco, but he's been, he's being influenced. He's been, sorry, he's being interviewed in London, in Liverpool, which is in the North of England. We're going to play this. Good morning, church. How are you? Are you doing well this morning? What an honour it is to be in Liverpool. I kind of see God everywhere, wherever I walk. If I'm in Northern England like I am today, or if I was in Stockholm, or if I go to India, or if you, if you go to Africa, you, you can see God everywhere. And how many of you know that the northwest, uh, northeast, northwest of England is ready for God to do something fresh? Amen. My God. Look, so far there's been just a number of cliches and the typical stuff that people say. <sighs> One of the things that happens a lot, it's not just in charismatic circles, people can be guilty of copying other people. They really want to be, how to put it, kind of a, they have a favorite preacher and they just kind of, they're basically copying the cliches of that guy and they, you can tell kind of when they're doing it. They're not, I wouldn't say comfortable in their own skin, but Anyway, but he doesn't, this, never heard of him before up until this documentary. And one thing I will say before, just to give him Duke, just to make sure we're being fair and accurate as much as possible, we also have to be careful with how the BBC, or this, I can't remember the company that they outsourced it to, but it, we'll say the BBC, that they, how they edited it. So... Uh, you know, edits can make people look foolish, all sorts of stuff. So maybe that's what's going on here, but it doesn't appear so. But we are we haven't gotten to the main part of it yet. We're going to play now. Not to push people away. My goal is to help them take one step closer. And I always say, I want to be the link in the chain. I just don't want to be the missing link. I don't... Now, at this stage, the interview is kind of getting, I think he's kind of going, what are you saying? He's spouting a number of, like, cliches, and he doesn't seem to understand what he's even saying. Oh, man. I'm playing this on my computer, and it's, uh, it's up and around. Okay, so let's go back in. My goal is not to push people away. My goal is to help them take one step closer. And I always say, I want to be the link in the chain. I just don't want to be the missing link. I don't understand that bit. What do you mean by the missing link? Um, let's just... 
just this isn't a Hillsong comment. This is just for everybody out there. If you are explaining something, if you're explaining the gospel to, especially to an unbeliever, actually, I don't care. Anybody, speak plainly, not in riddles, not in cliches, not in, you know, we've got our own little language among certain maybe evangelical. Speak plainly. That's, he's obviously not speaking plainly. God is, God is wanting to speak to you, talk to you, reach you. And he brings you into my world. And I'm not in tune with what he's doing in your life. Then how can I actually be a link to help you get closer to him? Rather, I become the missing link and don't take the opportunity that he's given me. The only thing is... I've listened to this a bunch of times and I'm still at a loss. Kind of know what he's saying, but I don't even know if he knows what he's saying. Look, don't try to be clever. Just say you're, you're serving the Lord and you want to share and help another person know how they can come to know Christ. There's a camera. Yeah, it's actually over here. How they can come to know Christ. You're a sinner. God is holy. There's a problem. There's a barrier. How can you have a relationship with God when you're a sinner? Through Christ. Because he's washed away our Anyone's in Christ, they washed away their sins and they have the righteousness of Christ. We have a sin problem. We don't have the necessary righteousness before God. But what concerns me is you don't hear any of this stuff. It's all about selling an experience. So the gospel really, if it's even there at all, kind of gets in the background and kind of gets forgotten. I'm praying, I don't believe that's the difference. So what's important about praying? What's important about believing? It's a big question. It really is. I think, I think um, there's nothing wrong with not praying. There's nothing wrong with not believing. And so someone... Okay. There's just... If this was just a regular member of Hillsong, wouldn't have done a program on this. But this guy is a pastor, at least at the time of the recording of this interview. And actually, you know, I checked it on the website. He still is. According to Facebook, he still is. Um, that's kind of basic. It, to not believe in Jesus Christ is sin. It's to reject him. It, from beginning to end. You're not like kind of like stumbling over your words. You know, at the beginning when I was listening to this, this is, if you do happen to have it, it's like 12 minutes and 55 seconds into it. At the beginning, I just thought, okay, he's, some people struggle in front of the camera. I know good godly men 
who you put a camera in front the brilliant preachers, the great, the great, and you put a camera in front of them, they start shaking. You know, it's just, we're all different. We're all built different, okay? Um, and I just thought, I hope they don't just splice it together to try to make the guy look silly and all that. Because there are bits of social justice nonsense you know, the late, like about an hour into it, you know, the BBC are obviously looking for diversity and there should be more women in the staff and there should be more people of color and all this kind of stuff. Hey, all that matters there is qualified men and has to be qualified and they have to be men. The skin color is irrelevant. They have to be actually qualified. But you kind of want to think, okay. And they're just trying to make, you know, they're splicing it together in such a way that make him look silly or whatever. But no, he, he doesn't even know. He ne repent and believe the gospel. If you don't know that at best, the nicest thing I can say is you shouldn't be a, you shouldn't be a pastor at all. Actually, I wonder if you are even, like, are you even converted if you're saying that? I'd have to ask Brandon Brown more questions to come to a better conclusion about that. Again, some people, you put them under pressure and Christian not, and they, they start fumbling around. And they're trying to make everybody like them fear man. But for someone who's a minister is to be a hurled, a someone who proclaims, declares publicly the truth to say, yeah, it doesn't matter if you, it's okay not to believe. We'll just go back over again. I'm just going to go back a tiny bit. Just because this is important. This is a Hillsong pastor. This is one of their pastors. And it's the same pattern over and over again. It's not just he's not an anomaly. He's another one who doesn't know the gospel. My goal is not to push people away. My goal is to help them take one step closer. And I always say, I want to be the link in the chain. I just don't want to be the missing link. I don't understand that bit. What do you mean by the missing link? Um, Let's just say God is, God is wanting to speak to you, talk to you, reach you. And he brings you into my world. And I'm not in tune with what he's doing in your life. Then how can I actually be a link to help you get closer to him? Rather, I become the missing link and don't take the opportunity that he's given me. The only thing is I don't pray and I don't believe. That's the difference. So what's important about praying? What's important about believing? Do you know what? I've listened to that, I don't know, five, six times today. I, I think I finally get what he's saying. He's saying, well, if I don't take the opportunity, I'm going to be a missing link and you're not going to get saved because I, I'm the missing link and I'm not the link in the chain. It's a very man-centered approach. But I'm a Christian since 2009 and I've had to listen to this six or seven times to, to get my head around what you're saying. There's a problem <laughs> Okay, 
Um, a minister should just not only know the gospel, he should also be able to explain it plainly. Plainly. So the guy's confused, and he's doesn't seem to know where, what to say. An unbeliever's per, given him a brilliant opportunity here to respond with the gospel. And what does he say? He says this. It's a big question. It really is. I think, I think um, there's nothing wrong with not praying. There's nothing wrong with not believing. And so someone... There's everything wrong with not praying. There's everything wrong with not believing. I get more angry every time I hear this. Praying is caught is very, very simply. It is our communication to God. It is us speaking to God. Believing is saying what he says is true. That God be true and every man a liar. We trust him. We either trust him or we trust the lies of the world. Know who might be there, sitting there going, "Well, I, I, I don't believe in God." Well, okay, that's cool, but God believes in you. Wow, oh, man, that's the worst cliche ever. God believes in you. What does that mean? Okay, you need to trust in Him. But he has gotten the gospel so wrong. He has made a worm of a man the object of faith. We're not talking about some random person who walked into Hillsong and they go, this is somebody who's been employed, apparently trained, somehow, being paid. To what? We trust God. I don't know how you, you respond to something so obscenely. Idiotic. He is the omnipotent God. He's all powerful, all knowing. We depend on him. But you see, this is the God being presented by not just Hillsong, but much, much of man centered modern day evangelicalism. A God who's desperately doing everything possible, but is weak and feeble. And it's all in your hands. He believes in you. You just got to believe in him. It's okay if you don't. Amy, any, any part of the Bible. It's satanic. At best, clueless. Ill-equipped, incompetent, heretical. Pulpits are filled with people like this. What? Oh, he's a nice person. 
Nice person taking somebody to hell. So that's a that's a Hillsong pastor in San Francisco. What else can we um Okay, we're 40 minutes into the program. We're gonna try and we're gonna look at one or two other clips about Brandon Brown, actually. This is 53 minutes later on the documentary, 53 minutes and 30 seconds into it. Um, showing this this person um, who apparently fits the qualifications, does he? Of First Timothy chapter three of Titus one verses what five to nine, apt to teach, fail. The level of teaching for a a preacher in Hillsong isn't even enough at times for someone to have a credible profession of faith to enter into a, a, an evangelical church where the elders actually care and actually ask questions. You can't know everything and some people you just don't know. Um, you give the benefit of the doubt sometimes, but there are times it doesn't sound like that man even knows the gospel. Now, maybe if you asked him other questions and you probed him a little further, I don't know. But it's the opposite. It's another gospel at that point. And it's claiming to be a church in San Francisco. Is it a church or is it a synagogue of Satan? In order to be a church, you need to have the gospel. Without the gospel, you don't have a church. So 53 minutes and 30 seconds into it, just to look at this aspect of the gospel of Hillsong and churches like it is very much about its psychological health, psychological help. Okay, let's play this. This is about Brandon Brown and his, I think it's his family as well. You've got sickness in your body. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to come and fill the altar here. Whatever it is, if it's a little condition, broken bone, or it's a cancer, we're going to believe tonight the Holy Spirit is going to have his way for the power of the Lord to see you feel. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. Jesus. 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 Jesus, thank you so much for uh, Jaden and Jensen, our boys, Lord, and thank you for our family. And Lord God, we just pray, Father, that they would just receive your healing. And Lord, you'd bring about a miracle in their bodies. We love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I asked them to pray for me because Matthew 17, 20 to 21, it says, the disciples replied to Jesus, how come we couldn't heal the boy? And Jesus said, because you had a little faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to move from here to there and it will move. Nothing shall be impossible for you. It's called epidermolysis bullosa. They're skin blisters. 
um, with friction, with heat mm. or anything like that. That's why you can see Jensen's bandage today. <laughs> it's like having third degree burns and we have to inflict pain to take the pressure out of the blister. Yeah, this ain't pleasant. Um, poor, poor kids, whatever the case um, on that. Skip ahead a little bit. I believe our kids have to... We keep them in prayer because um, prayer for the kids, that they will get good instruction and they'll know Christ. And um, there are people who coming out, came out, Costi Hin, came out of prosperity gospel backgrounds. Um, there's variations of it. And you really do feel for the kids who are raised in these, these homes. That's really and, uh, and he led me to a scripture in the Psalms and it says, it was good for you to be afflicted, that way you learned my decrees. And it was in that moment that I realised, wow, the very thing that is causing me to hunger for God and seek after Him and pray to Him was this condition. Yeah, oh yeah, and physical ailments and struggles and difficulties can lead us to the Lord. Um, but you must know the Lord and you must, again, it's not about just psychological help when you're going through difficulty. And this is kind of a common theme throughout maybe, all this. Maybe, just maybe, God's way of getting our attention is that pain is God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world. We don't have to guess at it, you know. Of course, he did. He did reference the psalm. I don't know what translation it was or anything, but pain, suffering, right, goes right back to the fall of Adam and all of mankind in Adam. So there's a reason it's there because of sin. Sin. I, I have never. Maybe there's a clip out there or something like that. I have never heard the word sin. I don't like, have I, I'm trying to think, have I heard the word sin from a Hillsong pastor? The emphasis is very much on you're broken and it's all about people who've gone through horrible, sorry, the screen there, horrible abuse and horrible other things. Not, there's, there's been cases in Hillsong, of course, um, well documented, but I mean, in terms of people who've been abused outside of it and come in and found that kind of sense of community and all this kind of thing. Um, but very little about we are sinners. We are the problem. It's kind of presented as self-help. Now, and it's, as I said, a church for the unbeliever. Now, let's look at this now. This is a clip, what, 16 minutes into, 16 minutes and, okay, 15 minutes and 41 seconds into it. This is Brian and Bobby Houston. Houston or Houston? Where were the red people? The red Indians. I preached the Maoris all over New Zealand. Speaking there is this Brian Houston's. Uh, so um, let's start off just to get the uh, sound correct again. Okay, one, um, two, three, four, four. <clears throat> Can you just explain who you are? My wife, Bobby Houston. I'm Brian Houston. <laughs> yeah, Houston. For some reason, I thought it was Houston or Houston. 
you'd think I'd know at this point. I haven't covered them for years. Anyway, so, um, and I love the title. No, I don't really. Um, here you've got Global Senior Pastor and Founder of Hillsong Church. And you just wonder to what level this man and this woman act as a type of pope over the entire organization, which is kind of crazy. I don't know how it all works. It just, you know, you've got global senior pastors and you've got regional senior pastors and then you've got below them campus pastors and all that. It's just, uh, you know, how to be the pope of your own denomination. But listen to what... Brian and Bobby Houston say. Now, if you're actually looking at this, there's part of the screens, I think it's kind of missing. I got to refocus this at some stage. I'll do it after the program. So if you're watching Miguel TV, apologies, you probably, Bobby Houston's head is not always half cut off there. Apologies for that. You'll, you'll get the gist of the, the video anyway. That's what, maybe I'll just make it a tiny bit smaller. Um, but we'll start playing it anyway. And, uh, how they described the the Hillsong product. Uh, we're both Kiwis living in Australia, been here for 42 years. Lord, thou hast said these signs shall follow them that believe. I grew up a pastor's son. My parents were Salvation Army officers. And so now we expect a miracle in this life and we praise thee for it in Jesus' name. My father, he was my hero. Really, since I was really young, I've always been part of Christian church. You know, I, I did always feel this sense of calling, like a deep sense of calling. This was the early 70s. So there was the whole Jesus revolution, revival thing happening. There were these amazing Jesus marches. And there was one in Auckland. And today we want to challenge many of our fellow New Zealanders to experience him, to come inside and revolutionize your heart. And Jesus says, I will come in. I actually had an encounter with God. That's where I found faith. That's where I gave my heart to Christ. And um, yeah, I've never looked back. All right, big greetings. Meet someone you don't already know. Meet someone from another country. Lots of pretty Swedish girls here. Yeah, maybe things never to say from the pulpit, ever. Yeah, just don't comment on how pretty certain women are from the pulpit. It just sounds creepy. Well, it was 1983, I was 29 and Bobby was 26. We'd been in Australia for, by then, about four or five years. and. We just had Sunday night services in a tiny little school hall. Right where I used to preach, there used to be two gymnastics ropes, like you'd see at the Olympics hanging down. And one time I got a bit too excited, so I, I grabbed the rope and sort of swung out over the crowd, which wasn't hard. They only went back about three rows. But there was a young guy there who, uh, you know, went out from there and he told all his, all his friends, he said, man, you guys should come to this new church. He said, the pastor swings on a rope like a monkey. That's more like it. Within just a very short time, a couple of years maybe, we had over a thousand people. Fantastic. All of a sudden, people became aware there was this church in Australia. Australia is such a secular place. Church is usually old and boring and irrelevant and empty. 
And you know, this- there you go. Old, boring, and irrelevant. And if you think that about the church, and if you can't go to a church, just say down the road, good men, you know, just say there's godly preaching, godly singing, and and perhaps you're the youngest person there. You could be in your 30s or 20s, and you're the youngest person there. But it's where God wants you. You go there. If you're looking for entertainment, if you're looking for the hippest place, you're not following God in this decision. You may be a wayward, whatever, but you go to the place where the truth, the truth should excite you. You need to repent if the truth isn't exciting you. You need to repent if you don't like the things of God. If you're like, you know what, I I got I got to have the erasmus, I got to have the excitement, I got to have the uh, everything whipped up for me. Because in Brian Houston's own words, he finds the church boring and old. It really comes out, doesn't it? You know, could, these people, if you put them in a regular church service, that they probably run out. They'd hate it. There's something wrong with us if we don't love to hear the scriptures read. Now, I know sometimes maybe there's times when sometimes the preaching may be not as good as it should be or whatever. There's things like that and we may struggle with and all this kind of thing. And not every man in the pulpit is Spurgeon or Whitfield or Calvin or whatever else. But we should love to hear the truth preached plainly. And if we need all the decoration, if we need all the dressing, everything else, it's a bit like, right? Um, <laughs> it's almost a bit like, you know, you, you say, I like the taste of that. I could say chicken or fish or something, but you have to cover it in sauce by itself. You don't really like it. Well, you have to st- ask yourself, do you really like chicken or fish or whatever that food is that you have to cover in mayonnaise or whatever? You probably don't like that food at all. Do you really love God? Do you do you love his word? Do you love to hear his word being preached? Do you love to sing it? Do you love to sing praise to him? And if you love it, why would you find it boring? I hate that word being associated with church, boring. If you find church boring, I don't care what age you are, get on your knees and cry out to God that he may help you in this. Because you're saying God's word preached is boring. Sung is boring. And if you go far enough, you're going to say God himself. You're not interested in him. Church that was young and hopefully relevant. And, um, you know, it's... uh... And I always ask, when people put this thing about relevant, relevant to what? Relevant to the truth or relevant to the culture? And in what sense? Relevant to un 
converted man. That's what it is. It's an exciting place to be, and, and it's full. What an awesome thing to see this stadium filled. Who is it exciting for? Is it exciting for unregenerate people, goats? Or is it exciting for sheep? We should be excited. I mean, if, if this is the way your, your Christian walk is, are you going to be excited to open your Bible and to pray? I know we struggle to pray, and I'm not saying that we don't. It's hard. Prayer is hard. It's, but is there no excitement when you read, your, read the Word of God and the Lord shows you things through His, through his Spirit? And the more you read it, get more and more excited or do you need all do you need all the bells and whistles the entertainment of this world people singing it's you i live for every day 14 years you in you know we were already the largest church in australia you can know the power of jesus christ every day i was always a visionary i always not endured so you know keep plenty of life and plenty of spontaneity in it and it's certainly not like wow look at us it's a weighty thing Oh, come on. Come on. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. We're just... just um. Yeah, it is about you because you said, it. well, it's not boring like the rest of the church. Whenever you talk like that, and, you, and by the way, you can, be a, you can be a conservative church and talk like this too, and it's not good. It's, you know, every church, every church has things they need to work on. Every church, no matter how good or bad, every church on, under heaven is subject to mixture and error. Westminster uh, Catechism, tell, or not Catechism, uh, Confession of Faith tells us that in chapter 25. Subject to mixture and error. But if you're saying the rest of them are boring, well, yeah, you are kind of, you kind of are saying, look at us. to bring the heart of God through the Word of God so that they actually um, find safe haven in a God who actually loves them and is real. So it's really not more complicated than that, is it, darling? No. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but uh, you grew up in New Zealand, is that correct? I did, yes. I lived there till I was 24. Okay. So let's... So that's Hillsong. That's, they're trying to go relevant. They're trying to... Whenever you start with man and what man wants, you're not interested in what God wants in worship. It's either... It's, worship is either man-centered or God-centered. And to find out what God wants in worship, we need to go to the scriptures to see this. Now, there was a couple of tragic cases in it, um, in this documentary. There was, do we have it written down there, of the, the very, very sad case. I was thinking of find it here. I didn't actually write it down. Um, it was a, uh, like there's the typical, there's other things you could talk about as well. The gimmicks, having cars on stage. It's really is a stage. It's it's a performance. It's it's all sorts of things. Um, this 
there's another clip as well with Brendan Brown, but this is not about him, the the pastor from the pastor from San Francisco who doesn't seem to know the gospel at all. Doesn't seem to know it. Doesn't seem to think it he's basically saying, well, you don't have, if you don't believe and if you don't pray, that's okay. But this next clip is particularly sad because um, this kind of characterizes a lot of people who would go into Hillsong and they, and they feel really deeply for these people. They come out of difficult pasts. They go through horrible things. They're abuse victims. They are people who, do you know what? The church, we're not very good Let's be frank here. I don't think we're the greatest at reaching out to these people. And that's part of the problem. I'm not saying every church. There are some churches that are wonderful in how they reach out to people. I don't want to say this is in all cases. But what's kind of happened is we, I think in Orthodox circles, we can kind of get in our own bubble in certain churches. There are churches that do not follow this trend. But we we're very we're very keen to witness within our profession or or community. But when it comes to the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the people the charismatic movement typically reaches out to, we're not very good at it. Now, generally, I'm speaking generally. Obviously, there's example exceptions. There are even some people who've been saved from gang backgrounds and gone into reformed and everything else like that. And but I think what happens is a lot of the time there's a vacuum of reaching out to these people with the true gospel. And what they get instead is a form of an AA program or something akin to that and how they can deal with their depression and how they can deal with their pain. And, and God becomes a, a, an emotional high some experience that they have that keeps them going throughout the week and gets them through and all this kind of stuff. But you wonder, do they actually believe? Have they seen their own sin? Or are they just coming with their brokenness? Here's the things, here's my pain from my past. I'll bring it to God and God will sort it out and make me feel better. That's kind of the gospel. I, I can't remember, was it, I think it was Michael Horton called it, that much of what the American church has is therapeutic deism. Therapeutic in terms of just therapy. And deism, we, we just don't think that God is sovereign over every area of life. I think that, it's been a while since I read that book. I think it was Christless Christianity that was in. You get the, it is... Hillsong is the most superficial, one of the most superficial temporary churches. They're there to make an impact. They're there for a short time. They come, they go. From what I can see, there's, there might be a big turnover of pastors. I'm not exactly sure. And I'm not saying necessarily with regards to moral issues, just more to people not having any firm anchor, so they're floating around the place. 
kind of like acting like the typical millennial who can't stay in the same job for more than five minutes. And that's just a few cases that I've seen. That's just an impression I've got. I'm not stating that definitively. Um, but we're going to play this. And I'm not saying this to, to say, you know what, we're good at this. We're not. And it actually kind of breaks my heart. We're not very good at this. We're not good at reaching out to people who are a bit difficult, who are a bit different from us. I will say this. I actually do know of a church off the top of my head that is very good at reaching out to alcoholics and has ministries of that kind. I tell you, brethren, we got to do that. Isn't, I don't know, is it just me? <laughs> or is it the experience that it's the charismatics, they're going out into the rough of night and taking people and sharing the gospel with them, whether it's the gospel or not, you could debate at times. They're going into these situations or whatever, but they're, they're reaching out to these people. And much of the time, you know, the zeal of people in the charismatic movement would often put us to shame. I suppose they're guilty of not thinking at all and just going forward, you know, maybe, and then reformed. It's like, we're overthinking it and going, hmm, don't want to burn myself out. You know, we're, <laughs> we're a bit like that in the reform community. So I, I just think we ourselves, as we look at this, as we look at this incredibly sad case of Elizabeth Hernandez, and she was in the army and she was, a, she suffered abuse and stuff like that. And how, I, I just think this is such a typical story, how a lot of people of various different backgrounds, they're looking for stability. They're looking for a family. They're looking to belong to something. And maybe it wouldn't matter in certain cases how much you reached out to people. You know, some people you'll try, you'll invite them around, you try doing various things. But they just reject that and they want the, the wishy-washy stuff. And there's nothing you can do about that. Okay. But I don't think we do enough. Generally. To reach out to people we're different from us. Because, for example, I had, a, I had a heavy drinking background. I find it it doesn't scare me to witness to a drunk person, but somebody else might be feel, feel very uncomfortable with that issue, or whatever. Or, or drug addict. And yes, God has made us all different, but I, I really do think that we've got to do more. In evangelism. Anyway, sorry. Gone on about this a bit too long. When I joined the military, when I was 18 years old, I've just always wanted brothers. And that's some, one of the things that sold me about the military. I was told I was going to be a part of a brotherhood. Two months into my first command, I was on the USS Woodby Island. And uh, I was invited out to like a Halloween party by my shipmates. And I ended up drinking a little bit too much and uh, blacked out. Um, when I woke up the next morning, I knew that something happened because I was in a lot of pain. Um, so I went to the clinic and the doctors did a forensic examination on me and told me that I had a lot of 
vaginal um, tearing and that somebody had assaulted me the night before. Now, I know that people are going to get uncomfortable with this. There's no details being shared here that is too much. And I tell you, probably I've been to charismatic churches. I've been to various evangelical churches. And there's some churches where they may not be as strong doctrinally, but they're more open. I think there's a certain degree of stuff you should share, should have, should have shared. Wisdom, you know, would dictate that. But there's certain places where you'd feel, you wonder, could I even share that with people? And what we should have is we should foster, and this takes a long time, relationships with people within the church so that if they are going through horrible things, it may be just one-on-one. Maybe it's a close friend that you know for 10 years and then she finally tells you something that she hasn't told anyone else and she knows she can go to you in absolute confidence and you're not going to say it to anyone. That takes time. And I think because of our culture, because of social media, because of we just blab things everywhere, um, like people have told me fairly sensitive things in, in emails over the years. I'm very, I try to be very, very careful not to repeat it ever. And I, and I need a good reason as in I'll ask for permission is it okay to mention so and so and sometimes I might mention a name some and I'll, but if I do mention a name it's I always ask for permission I'm, I hope I've never crossed that line or anything like that because that kind of what you want in the Christian church we failed no, no doubt plenty of times but we want that situation where you feel hey you know what I can go to so and so and talk to them when things got rough. That takes a lot of hard work. And I think certain of the things that she would talk about. See, when we feel squeamish, we're just like, oh, we don't, we don't even want to think about what thing people have gone through. We don't want to know. If we're like that, are people going to share things with us? It just, yeah, it, it, it's it's heartbreaking. And you know what? We'd wish, we wish we lived in a world, it didn't happen. But it does. It does. Um, so I was transitioned to another ship. And um, someone assaulted me on that ship as well. So after I got out of the military, fell into that lifestyle of just heavy drinking. It was just thoughts of this is going to be your life you're oh why do a lot of people go to hillsong and, and I, this is not everybody but a lot of them go because they have difficult pasts and they feel accepted and welcomed and all that kind of thing when they go to hillsong am i wrong am i wrong here i don't know what do you guys think in the in the in the chat room or you can email me at gmail.com I think that's that's why a lot of people go there because they are, humanly speaking, welcoming. Humanly speaking. Veteran. And the things that happened to you are your fault because you chose to drink, because you chose to go to that party or... And I know we want to we want to get people 
I caution you as well, brethren, if somebody's going through and coming to you with, they're, they're struggling with something and our temptation is just to say, just get over it. Okay. I'm not saying that you can't offer words of counsel to help them get over it, but it's cheap. And, you know, just to say, I'll oh, just get over it. And, you know, because I've, you know, where, where people have had a victory over a certain sin, right? They can be very, very short with people who haven't overcome that. And I feel sometimes we could do with more patience and, and helping people. Some people struggle with things for a long time. They do. Um, make sure that door communication, there is a certain type of struggling where people are earnestly trying and they're growing. It's slow, it's painful, but you can see they're not just wallowing in it. But then there's another one where they're just, they are wallowing in it. You know, maybe they're, they're just, you know, they're just in self-pity mode. I'm not saying about indulging in that, and that can be more difficult, but a lot of people are struggling. And and, look, and if you're not sure which is which, give the benefit of the doubt, really. But we, we live such busy lives, don't we? And we kind of, we don't really have this, and it shouldn't be, this should be... There are people who leave conservative churches and end up in places largely to do with the doctrine, yes. But I think there are other reasons as well. This isn't the best neighborhood. And sometimes I would go walk to the corner market hoping that like there would be somebody that wanted to mug me and just stab me that night so I can just end. And we, you know, like sometimes when people hear that, oh, come on, I'm feeling sorry for yourself. That's a real feeling for some people. And you don't know, she's probably not mentioned a tenth of the stuff that she's gone through or whatever over the years. Now, again, there's a good way to deal with this and there's a bad way to deal with it. A good way to deal with it is you talk about it a little bit, but you don't fixate on it. You focus on Christ, the loveliness of Christ. And you have that pain. It's part of you kind of thing. But we don't wallow in it. You know, we, we shouldn't ignore... Pretending isn't good. The Psalms don't pretend in feelings, okay? Be honest before God. God knows what you're going through. But your eyes are fixed on Christ and His loveliness. We need both. Nobody, you know, from my family texts me or calls me. There's not one missed call. Did you always have faith, even like the darkest moments that you were going through? Definitely not. I def had my seasons uh, that I've just drifted so far away from Christ, and to the point of of blaming Him for the blame, blaming God for the things that happened to me. You know, feeling like I was completely abandoned by a God that I was taught to trust in to be a protector. Have have. And these themes of struggling with suffering and pain, why things happen, it's why we have the book of Job. It's why we have, I don't know, Lamentations. Well, lamentations are a bit clearer because it's to do with God's judgment and, and that horrible aftermath of it. Um, some of the Psalms struggle, you could say, with these things. 
that's why we need to have a good grasp of all of the scriptures because they help us to deal with these things, especially the wisdom literature, how to get through these things. We're not all analytical. We're not all A to B kind of people. Switch a light on and switch a light off. Some of us are wired more emotionally than others. And so with those people who are more wired that way, I think that's just the way you, we're made and all that kind of stuff, that we will go through more peaks and valleys than maybe somebody else. But we seek the Psalms, we seek the Proverbs, we seek Ecclesiastes, we seek Song of Solomon, how that love that Christ has for his bride. That we channel that emotional part of ourselves to look to Christ more and more. And then we use, if we're going through horrible pain like this, that that pain would drive us to Christ. And then when we do find sweet relief in him, it is ever so much more sweet. Of any kind of community to help me find my way back out of it until I came to Hillsong. But I can now see that the choices that I've made personally, like God gives us free will. The personal choices that I made at those points in my life put me in that. You can see what she said there, the community. So I think I have tried to distinguish if I ever come in contact with people from Hillsong or churches like that to try and give the benefit of the doubt they're not necessarily rabid heretics who are writing ghost writing Mike Bickle's new book or something like that I suppose start off with the best maybe they're one of the small pocket of true believers in there they should get out but um and I do think there are pockets of true believers within these churches. I couldn't have confidence, though, in most of them. And if you are in one of these churches, be it Hillsong, Bethel, whatever mega structure you're part of, you need to get out. The gospel is not front and center. It's a business model. It is a way of accruing power and influence. And because of that power and influence, being front and center, you're going to have the Carolenses type people. You're going to have people like Brian Houston's father who use these structures because they're not interested in the gospel. And they'll use this power and influence for stuff that's nefarious and evil and wrong. A lot of these, whenever there's Christian churches and it's all about money and influence and all that, you can be sure, sadly, ever so sadly, that there'll be abuse. I didn't talk about much about the abuse cases and stuff like that. That's real real cases when people brought it up in the, in the chat. Um, that's for investigators and sometimes you... We may never... 
the side of eternity, we won't get to the bottom of most of it. I'd say, you know, there was Brian Houston's father who was a pedophile. That's, if you haven't heard that, that's, that's official court records. And even Brian Houston himself acknowledges that he's done so in many, many different interviews. And, and I suppose they wonder, did Brian Houston himself cover up for it and all this kind of thing. But when you have institutions like this, where it's all about money, fame, influence, and all that, and here is the powerful man of God or whatever, well, you can't go against him. It even kind of happened with the Roman Catholic Church in, in Ireland. Ab abuse follows. The, the fallout of it is ugly. Hopefully, that's been some food for thought. Hopefully, in all of that, that's been somewhat encouraging. Uh, Paul Flynn, um... MegiddoRadioGmail.com is, is my email. If you want to email me, please feel free to do so. May God bless you all.